My name is Matt Weidman. I'm married to an amazing woman named Randy Weidman. Uh, funny story, uh, when we put in a newsletter, when we were volunteer leaders with the ministry, uh, you know, they didn't put our pictures. They just said, hey, Matt and Randy Weidman have joined the ministry. And uh, they, uh, old lady, sweet lady, been given for a long time, wrote and said, I can no longer support this ministry because... Uh, of how you letting married couples in that aren't saying, you know, whatever. So Matt, Randy Wyman, I, I, my wife is amazing. I am so blessed by her. Man, I, I just, I'm, I look at her and I just thank God for the woman that I have. But let me tell you something. I was dating her when I was 18 years old. I was a freshman at SMU. And it was about 180 days into our relationship. And I call her up and say, hey, you want to go out? You, I mean, you want to hang out? And she's like, yeah, sure. So I go and I pick her up in my nice four-wheel drive truck, and I've got shorts and a T-shirt on. I mean, I'm really low-key, low casual. I pick her up, get her in the car, and, and I'm driving, and I look at her, and she's, she's all decked out. I mean, she's got makeup on. She's got her earrings. I mean, she's dressed to the, to the top. I mean, just oh, like ready to go. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, well, where are we going? You know, huh? I'm ready. And, and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm just going back to... My place, we'll just hang out, right? We'll just have a fun time. And I, I drive back and pull up to my place. We walk out, get inside, sit down on the couch. And, and she's like, what are we doing? And I was like, oh, I, I figured we'd just watch a movie or something, hang out. And she looks at me, and then tears start pouring down her eyes. Guys, I had blown it. She let me know that it was our six-month anniversary and I was completely clueless. Completely. But here's the funny thing to me is the word anniversary, I don't know if y'all know this, it has the Latin, it comes from the Latin word anum, which means a year. She was wanting to celebrate a six-month anniversary. In my mind, that thing doesn't exist, right? It's, it's an anniversary as a year. In her mind, a six-month anniversary, that was something to celebrate. I was totally clueless. And guys, when I look at Roman, needless to say, I celebrated that nine-month anniversary, and I hadn't missed an um, anniversary since. So love your wives well. But Romans 14, guys, has shown me how unaware I actually am and how I, my concern should be for others. And I just don't think about how my actions might affect others. I just don't. I, guys, I feel it. I, reading this week, Romans 14, I'm like, man, of all the passages to be talking about, I get Romans 14, and this is hard. This is, I, I just stink at this. So I am so grateful I get to talk with you today. So if you, if you would, be so kind, open up your, your Bibles with me. Uh, we're going to focus on this text today. If you've got your, your Bible or your phone, let's look at Leviticus 19.14. Yes, I said that. Leviticus 19.14. Why Leviticus 19.14? Well, let me read it to you. You shall not curse the deaf... Or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear the Lord. You shall fear God. I am the Lord. You guys, this is interesting to me. This is where Paul gets the basis for his whole argument in Romans 14. It's from Leviticus 19. And you, and you notice here, you got a man that can see, and you got a blind man. So you got somebody who has clear understanding and, and, and can see everything, and then somebody who's limited in his vision. And the call is not to put a rock in front of the man who can't see as clearly as you can. That's the point. And so if you'd be so kind with me, turn to your neighbor and tell him the title of what we're going to talk about today. It's, Why Are You Tripping? 
Why are you tripping? <laughs> so guys, today I'm going to talk about how legalism limits love and love limits liberty. Let's look at the historical setting of Romans 14. Paul is writing to a church in Rome. This church is young, right? Because the Christian church is young. It has two types of people in it. If y'all remember Romans 1.16, it says it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God first to the Jew and also to the Gentile, right? So you got two groups of people in the church here. You got the Jew who, re- who grew up in the synagogue, had a lot of traditions that he followed, f- did the festivals, did the feasts, did the Sabbath, he, uh, ate kosher. I mean, everything was how he did it growing up in the synagogue. And then you got these Gentiles that come from a background in Rome of pagan worship, idols, meat sacrificed to idols. You got two people coming from two different backgrounds and they all have baggage, right? They got background and they got baggage coming into the church. And guys, the reality for all of us today is we all have a background and we all have baggage. We've all come here today, and some of you have been going to church for a long time, and you know how church goes. You say, this is the way it has to be. This is the way it's going to be. You know, we only sing a cappella, or we, we, you know, the music that we do at church is this way. And, and if you don't do it your way, then you look at people and be like, they must not know what they're doing. And then you got people who, man, you understand the grace of God. You understand what he has set you free from. You were in bondage, a slave to sin, and your life was a wreck, and God rescued you. And you come into this place, and you understand, man, I am free in Christ. And you look around, and you're like, man, some of these people, I, I can't even hang out with them because they're so rigid in how they look at this stuff. And guys, that's the reality of where we all come from today. Let's be clear, in Romans 14 here, Paul is talking about opinions, disputable matters, and other translations is the way they say it, but this is not doctrine, right? So if somebody comes and says, hey, Jesus is not God, that's not what Paul's talking about here, right? He's talking about opinions and about disputable matters. As it says in Romans 14:1, as for the one who is weak in faith, Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Notice Paul makes the distinction here in this section of the weak and the strong. Now, if it were up to me, I would say, man, the guy who's strong is the guy who's limiting himself. Man, he is so disciplined in his approach. He's so rigid in how he's looking at this religiosity. I would think that guy's strong, but Paul says no. Why? Because of the whole book of Romans to this point. Paul understands that the law cannot save you, right? But some of these people have come in to the church, and they think they still need to follow the rules. And Paul says those are the ones that are weak in faith. And then there are all the strong who understand the grace of God, who understand that you cannot earn God's favor by following the law. So guys, here's what I want to I talk to you about today. When it comes to these matters, you have less control than you think you do and more influence than you realize. I'll say that again. You have less control than you think you do and more influence than you realize. So let's look at l- how legalism limits love. Go back, we're going to read the verse. So, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the 
weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. What I see here is Paul is talking about diet. And when you look at this, you got the weak and the strong. And I, I tried to put a chart together here to try to break this out so you could understand this. So I see Romans 14, verse 1 through 4, Paul's talking about diet. You got the weak brother who's eating only vegetables. He doesn't want to do anything in his mind that would dishonor God. So he says, hey, there's meat out in the marketplace that perhaps has been sacrificed to idols. I don't want to spoil my conscience, so I'm not going to do anything that I think would dishonor God. So I'm not going to eat even meat because it might have been sacrificed to idols. Or I'm not, I'm not even going to meet meat because it may not be kosher. And I'm, I'm still following the dietary laws that I was raised up in. And then you have the strong brother. And this guy understands the grace of God. And he, he is strong in the faith. He's grown in the faith. He's mature in the faith. He understands that, man, all things are available and, and available for you to eat if you give thanks to God. They're clean. You could eat anything. So you see diet here. You know, an example of this uh, right now, real time for me with my wife, is she, the other day she said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to avoid sugar before Halloween. I mean, the whole week before, I'm just not going to eat anything. You know, and, and we went out to eat, and I had the strong desire and urge. In my freedom, I said, I, I want to order a milkshake. And she looked at me, and she said, you see, what I was doing is I was thinking about my freedom. I wasn't thinking about my wife. And I had missed it. And guys, I think a lot of us today, in the, the culture and the circles we run with, alcohol is a real issue. Right? We got brothers in here who are recovering alcoholics. In the midst. You know, we shouldn't be taking them to a restaurant and bar. We should be thinking about them before we, we do these things, Right? You may be free. You may in your conscience feel like you're free to do those things, but think about your brother. You know, this, this example is probably not that uh, useful for a lot of you because you haven't, haven't encountered this, but we've got a lot of Muslim background believers today in the church, a lot of people coming from different backgrounds. And you know that there's some Muslims who say, or former Muslims, excuse me, that are now Christians, who say, I don't want to eat halal food. Well, what's halal food? Well, in their mind, halal food is food that was dedicated to a God other than the God that we serve. So in their mind, they might be spoiling their conscience by going and eating that food. So you should think about those things. It's just something you should think about, right, well, before you go and you eat. Are you thinking about others? Next verses, verses 5 through 9 in Romans, it says, One person esteems one day is better than another, while... Another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Guys, I see here in this section, verses five through nine, 
Paul, you know, so the first section, Paul was talking about diet. The second section here, Paul's talking about days. And you can see the weak brother here esteems certain days as more important than others. While the strong brother says, hey, every day is a day that I can worship God and I can honor God and I can walk in his glory, right? So there, there's a disconnect here. Some people think, well, these days are really important to celebrate. When the other person says, all days are important. And what, uh, probably a good modern example for us today is what happened yesterday. Right? Some, some of y'all didn't get a lot of knocks on your door. Some of you had too many. You ran out of candy. You depend on where you were with the rain. But Halloween, some people feel like in their heart that Halloween is not something I can celebrate in glory to God. Other people say, hey, Every day is a day I'm going to celebrate and, and honor God, and I'm going to engage my neighbor, and I'm going to use this for, for missional purposes. Guys, we've got to use wisdom. We've got to use wisdom about days. You know, this is really not that important. How do I know that? When I was in Africa uh, back in November, I asked them, I said, hey, what is Halloween like in your culture? You know what they told me? What's Halloween? They didn't even celebrate it. You know, this is, this is strictly cultural, right? This isn't, this isn't in every country. So guys, just use wisdom when it comes to this. You are free in Christ, but don't use your freedom to abuse others. So let's look at this next section here, Romans 14, 10 through 12. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So the first section, I saw Paul talking about diet. The second section, I saw Paul talking about days. The third section here, I see Paul talking about disposition, how you act. You see the strong brother, or excuse me, the weak brother, he looks at you and says, you're not following the way I'm following? I'm going to judge you. I'm going to pass judgment on you. The strong brother says, man, I despise that guy. He only lives his life a certain way, and every time I come around him, I gotta restrict myself. I gotta restrain myself. I can't be free. And so I don't like that. So you got, you got the strong brother who despises the weak brother and the weak one who passes judgment. Let me stop here for a second and talk to you guys about judgment. You know, I think that's the new John 3.16 in the world, is uh, only God can judge me. And that's true. God is gonna judge you. But there's a difference between making judgments and passing judgment. You might say, Matt, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, let me see if I can unpack that a little bit. You, you made judgments this morning. You, you judged if you had set your alarm clock at the right time to wake up to get here by 6.30 to watch some YouTube videos. You judged whether you have enough gas in your car to make it to work today. You, got, you judged if you had enough money in your bank account to pay the, the rent or the mortgage this morning on the first of the month. You make judgments all the time. It's impossible not to make judgments. But passing judgment is assuming a position that you were never entitled to have. It's you sitting on the throne telling somebody else how this is supposed to be. And, and mind you, this is about opinions, right? This section of scripture is about disputable matters. This isn't about whether Jesus is God. See, God's already judged people. That's the whole book of Romans. You're dead in your sin and your trespasses. But God says, don't judge your brother when it comes to these things. You see, 
Guys, it's not your job to be the judge, to pass judgment. I don't know if you noticed this, but the cross is going to judge everything in your life. You're eating, you're drinking, you're sleeping, you're spending, you're talking. Everything is going to be cross-examined. Everything is going to be cross-examined. Someone once said to that great scholar Daniel Webster who wrote the dictionary, Daniel, you have a colossal mind. What is the greatest thought that you've ever had? He said, I've thought about many things, but the most awesome, the most terrifying, the most shattering thought I've ever had is my personal accountability to God. As you are accountable to God. Think about that. He is the judge, not you, not me. And that's hard. That's hard. <laughs> the best example I can give you guys, my legalistic friends are going to love this. My, the, the woman I've been talking about up here is my wife. I love her, man. And after those, those six months that we had been dating and I failed at my six-month anniversary, shortly thereafter, I found out she had a tattoo. Oh, man. I grew up being, being raised that, oh, you don't get a tattoo. Tattoos are not appropriate. And the woman that I'm falling for has a tattoo. I almost said, I'm out. I'm done. She's got a tattoo. Now, mind you, it's a little one, and it's the ichthus, if y'all know what that is, the little Jesus fish that says I'm a Christian. She put it on her ankle, and there's a whole story behind that. But, guys, I almost left the greatest blessing in my life because she didn't follow the rules the way I did. What's that in your life? It's a tragedy. When we try to prove our spirituality by things we don't do rather than by how we live. You know, isn't that, isn't that a shame when we try to say, I'm so, I'm so good because I don't do these things instead of I'm so good because the life that I'm living, how Christ is living out through me. Guys, it's not about what you don't do. It's about how you live. The world out there is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity. It's waiting for a new demonstration. What do I mean by that? You don't define what religion looks like, but you are called to demonstrate who Christ is. What's your life? Are you looking for everybody to follow the Savior, or are you looking for everyone to follow your rules? Is your aim love, or is your anchor legalism? So guys, I know in your book it said that love limits legalism, and it does. Love keeps you from trying to put the rules on everybody else. But when you're legalistic, it also limits you from loving somebody, right? So you are free to love, free. So legalism limits love. Now let's look at how love limits liberty. I'm going to jump in on verse 16. Read with me if you would. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What I see here, guys, is the difference between production and consumption. Do you notice here? It says, 
the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. That's what you consume. But it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what you produce. So the kingdom of God is about what you're producing. The kingdom of you is about what you're consuming. Guys, this isn't about what you eat. It's about how you live. So let me ask you this question. What would those closest to you say about your life? What fruit can you point to that's being produced? I'm not so concerned about what you eat. I'm concerned about how you live. And that's tough. Let's look at the next section here, verses 18. Jump in with me if you would. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another brother stumble by what he eats. I see here the difference between development and destruction. You see where it says mutual upbuilding? And then it says destroy. What's your aim? What are you trying to accomplish? Guys, I, I, I don't understand. Did you see what, what, uh, what Paul says here? Everything is indeed clean. Everything. You're free. But if you understand your freedom, don't use your freedom to trip somebody up. Don't use, hey, if you really are free, you know what you're free to do? Free to restrain yourself. Free to accommodate somebody else to help them grow. If your goal is to develop somebody and build them up, not tear down what God's doing in their life because I'm free and I can do what I want to do. It's not about what you want to do. It's about who you serve. It's about who are you following. Do you want, do you want others to look like Christ or do you want them to look like your rules? What's your goal? Are you concerned about developing somebody or are you concerned about doing what you want to do? Guys, I don't know if you realize this, but there's only two things that are going to outlast this world. There's, everything's going to be burned up with fire, according to the scriptures. Everything. Nothing's going to remain. But there's only two things that are going to outlast this world. Number one is God's word. Number two is God's people. People last forever. Every time you talk to somebody, you're dealing with an eternal soul. Are you really approaching somebody that way? Or is it just about what you want to do? Look at me if you would. Oh, so I want to ask you this question. Where, ask yourself this, wrestle with this. Where have I been ignorant and used my freedom that resulted in another brother's destruction? Where have I been ignorant and arrogant and used my freedom that resulted in another brother's destruction? Let's jump into verse 21, if you will. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. I see here in this section, guys, the difference between attitude and action. So you, real, you see here, it's not about what you do. It's about why you do it. It's not about the action itself. It's about the attitude behind it. Do you just do what you want to do? 
Or are you doing all of this, as the scripture says, for the glory of God? What's your life about? Are you living by faith? What's faith? I mean, faith, faith's a hard word, right? Does that just mean blindly walking into something? I would disagree. I think here's a good acronym for faith. You can use this if you want. Forsaking all, I trust him. Faith. Spells it out real, real easy. Forsaking all, I trust him. Guys, I think for me, the problem I have when I look at this is, the reality for me when I look at Romans 14 is I just want to do what I want to do. Man, this beat me up this week, guys. I struggle with this. I don't actively think about other people. I just think about what I want to do, and if I'm free, I can do it. But I missed it. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about why I'm doing it. It's not about what I want. It's about who I serve. And, and I think often I struggle with God in the sense that I ask the question, man, I feel like I'm missing out. Y'all ever felt that way? You feel like you're missing out on something? FOMO? I, I get that a lot. But guys, I don't think that's the right question. The question is not, what am I missing? The question is, am I on mission? The question is not, what am I missing? The question is, am I on mission? Am I serving? Am I following Christ? Am I pointing people towards him? Or am I just about me and my kingdom? So a good example of this is uh, my community group. I love them. They're awesome. Uh, when we first met, we came, they invited, a, invited them over. And I don't know if you know this, but the Weidmans, we love extreme games. We play games at our house, and we have a great time with it, and we go, we go crazy. And if you lose at our house, there's typically consequences. Uh, and, and we had our friends over, a community group over, and somebody lost. And the, re, the result of them losing was they had to drink a raw egg. It did not go well uh, with, with some of my friends. So they, they in, in grace and love and kindness, pulled my wife and I to the side and they said, hey, we love that you guys love games, but I just want you to know how it, make, it made us feel when we were in your house and we were playing those games, we had a lot of anxiety that we were going to lose because there was going to be a consequence. And, you know, the easy thing for me to do would have been like, it's my house. I make the rules. If you're in my house, you're going to do what I want to do because I'm free. But, guys, my heart and my concern is not for me. I want to follow Christ. It's not about destroying them and making them stumble and tripping them up. I don't want to cause them to trip. It's about me loving and serving them. So I don't, I don't have consequences like that in my house. I've changed it because my, my friends were kind enough to come to me and tell me how they felt. So guys, from that, you see that love limits liberty. Why does this matter? Why does this matter at the end of the day? Well, guys, here's, here's why it matters. Here's the most important takeaway. If you don't get anything else out of this, get this today. All of this is important because of this one thing. Jesus Christ, in his omniscience, in his omnipotence, in his beauty, decided to restrain himself, to limit himself as the ultimate picture of love. He wrapped himself in, in a body. He was God in a body. He had nerve endings. He breathed as we breathed. He spoke as we spoke. He heard as we heard. Why? He came down on this earth and lived among us. Why? So that we wouldn't get tripped up by this world and the enemy. 
See, all of this, guys, is so that we can be a picture of Christ. All of this is, man, the world is looking at us and how we treat each other. The world is looking at you. The world is looking at me. Are we reflecting who Christ is by how we treat one another? You see, Jesus is the perfect picture of this. He, limited, he voluntarily limited himself, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, what a picture. We get to be that picture of Jesus to a lost and broken world. Man, come on, guys, let's go. Let's be on mission. Let's do it. Because you get to be a picture of Jesus by how you love your brother. You get to be a picture by how you're willing to take on limitations so that others might experience freedom. Are you willing to do that? Or is this just about you and what you want? So guys, today we've talked about how legalism limits love and how love limits liberty. I have these la this last charge for you. I'm going to say it again. You have less control than you think you do and more influence than you realize. You have less control than you think you do and more influence than you realize. Will you commit today, like I was not doing, will you commit today to actively think of your brother? Will you get off your rules and follow the ruler? And will you limit yourself so that others might grow? All of us need to wrestle with these questions. You don't have to talk about them at your table time. Your leader's got questions. They can, you can if you want to, but my encouragement, my charge to you guys, how are we doing? How are we doing? Guys, I failed at this. Romans 14 messed me up because I don't think about other people. I've missed my, my sensitivity training classes. I need Jesus because that's who he thought about. He thought about me when he limited himself and came down to this earth and loved me so that I wouldn't be tripped up. So my question to you today is, why are you tripping?